one be sure. Hopefully I won't set anything off. Oh, not going there.
Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Stand with me. Jesus, we pray that you'll be glorified in this place. May everything that's said and done and sung and scripture that's read and sermon that's preached and God just take over all of it. We give this time to you. Amen. Let's sing together. All right. Psalm 92 says it's good to sing and praise the Lord. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a
chasm. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadow of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my
Ephesians 4. Oh, I didn't practice this with the lights on. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all, in all, and living through all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit. We praise you, King of Kings, right now.
We're going to come to a time of prayer. And um, so if you would, you can get comfortable. this morning of how much we need Jesus. Father, we pray this morning that your name would be lifted high. Lord, that your glory would shine. And Lord, that we would spread your truth. Father, I pray this morning that we would be a church that would seek your face and understand your will in our lives individually. And Lord, that we would come together collectively to further your kingdom. Lord, you have a work to be done. The question is, what is that work? And I pray, Lord, that we would find it and we would live in it and we would embrace it. Lord, be with us here this morning. Anoint this time of worship that we have Lord, anoint this opportunity that we have to get together, Lord, and and, and worship you. Anoint the message this morning. Show us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Man, you know, if you guys weren't here last week, I just wanted to say it again. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. For everybody who has just been continuing to pour out on, uh, on my family as we have just recently introduced a new baby. Um, you know, the church has been such a blessing to us to where I even was thinking to myself, what in the world do people do if they don't have a, like a church to go to? Like I was telling my mom, like, what, you know, you know, what happened? Like, what do you guys do? Like, I mean, I got gift cards to like go out to eat all these places and food getting brought to me. I was like, well, you know, they just have to like go without, I guess. But I, I couldn't imagine, you know, uh, you know, doing this without you guys. Ray, Ray, did you hear about the turtle last week? He's living a good life. He's living. I got him a whole cage, and I got to. I got to give you some pictures here. Uh, show, Ray, Ray went and uh, blessed us with a turtle a few weeks ago, and uh, he's just been amazing in the house. Well, it's actually a she. I can't. You know, I, I have three girls, and then now I get a turtle that Ray gifts me, and we found out that it's a girl. So her name is uh, Treasure. Uh, but anyways, I'm reminded as I, as, as, as I, you know, think of the gifts that you guys have been giving me this last week and, and these last few weeks actually, and, and the gifts of animals as well too, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm reminded that, you know, we don't serve a God alone. You know, uh, you know, even, you know, even just, just so from, I, I was thinking the other day, cause even, even there was a moment where Jeff even came by, the Bullmans came by and just, they just came by to just come on by, just hang out. And it was just so nice that I said, man, when you put the body of Christ together, everything was met, right? I mean, you know, we were blessed in this way, that way, that way. And then even just people just said, we're just, we're hanging out. We're just here to be here. Say what's up. How's it going? And so it's just so amazing to just, you know, kind of see everything come together and see the blessings that come from it. But I want you to stop for a moment and look around. Look to your left. Look at the person to your left. Look at the person to your right. I guess if the person to your right is looking at the person to their right, then they're not looking at you anymore. Look at the person closest to you. And I want you to be reminded that we do not serve our God alone. And that's why we come to this time in the services, to be reminded that we are not only to be seeking peace with God, but to seek peace with one another. And so that's why we have this moment here in time in our, in our worship service. And so may I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Will you go and pass that peace with one another?
connecting. Pastor Tim, our online pastor, is in the house, and he's going to be typing. And so you can also grab your phone, and maybe you want to find someone on Facebook and tag them and say, Hey, man, I'm in church right now. Why don't you watch what I'm seeing? So feel free to do that. Well, my name is Garen, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a privilege to serve alongside you. And uh, I have a couple of announcements that I want to go through real fast. I think I have four of them. And the first one is this. Stay connected with us. We're saying that a lot because we really need, one, to be connected with each other. But two, we need to be able to give you information if there are changes and things happening. And so I encourage you to check us out. If you ever have a question, you can email us at office at peonaz.church. If you need prayer... We are a praying church, and so you can just go to prayer at peonaz.church and give us your prayer request, and we'll send that out to our prayer warriors. Um, Facebook, follow us, peonaz.church. We also have, for the first week back since COVID, some connection cards in the backs of the seats. We would love for you to fill out a connect card. If you're visiting with us or if you have any new information, new email, new phone number, new address, I don't know, new car, uh, just let us know. But And there's also a place for prayer requests there. And that's also where you can start our Try 5 challenge. Did you see how I did that, Emma? I don't know if that's the next picture, but let's go to Try 5. Look at that. We encourage you, if you're visiting with us, try us for five weeks. Every week's going to be different, different band members, different preacher, different people. But we encourage you, Try us for five weeks, and I think you're going to find that we are a friendly church, we are a loving church, and we want you to become part of us. And so try us for five weeks, and you can fill out your Connect card and bubble in week number one, and you can start today. If you're a regular with us, and you've been a little irregular with us, you can bubble in week one. I'm going to start five weeks in a row. Woohoo! Let's do it. Yeah, do you see how I did that? The third announcement is this. We're in the middle of prayer. Um, We are joining with half a million Nazarenes in North America to pray for God's provision, to pray for God's guidance, to pray for God's direction, to pray for God's protection. And so I encourage you every day, be praying. I've set an alarm for 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. because James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And so it's not like I spend four hours. It's just a quick reminder to constantly have my mind in prayer. And there's also, next slide, I think, is a picture of, you can go to your, I don't know, what the app store of whichever device that you have, and you can look for half a million mobilization, and each day you can get, from now until Pentecost, a little 75-second read that will help you. It's from pastors all around North America, and you can join with us, and then you can be praying in the same way that half a million other people are praying, and so I encourage you to do that. The fourth thing I'm super excited about, look at that, potluck. So at our board meeting Monday, one of the things that we identified as a key issue is that pre-COVID, we had lots of gathering times where we could just hang out and talk and no agenda, just connecting with others. And we've missed that. And a couple of months ago, 
Justin and Jason had the potluck, and we were just talking about how great that was. And so we want to start doing that again. So here's the deal. The first Sunday of every month, beginning this coming June, um, we're not going to do it forever, but we've got a couple of ideas down the road. But initially, June, July, August, the first Sunday, we're going to have an on-the-grounds eating. So service is usually done between 11.10 and 11.20, depending on how long Justin and Jason talk, because I'm not long-winded at all. It's all them. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? Um, but that gives you between 30 and 45 minutes to either run home and get some food or run through a drive through and get some food or unplug something that you put in the crock pot in the kitchen. And half of us will be pulling out tables and chairs and the other half will be getting food. And then we're just going to sit around and eat together. Good old fashioned potluck. And so it will be a great time for us to just connect, to just be with each other, to learn a little bit more of our stories and just have great time of fellowship. I know that I've needed it. I'm an introvert, and so I'm okay being by myself a lot. And even myself as an introvert has felt the weight of the isolation the past two years. And so we want to do things to help offset that. The great thing is it starts at noon. So you can invite your friends to church and then a potluck. Or you can say, we, we were talking, some people said, I've got friends that I'd love to invite to the potluck and they might come, but I'm not sure they'd come to church. That's okay. Tell them potluck starts at noon. They can come to church because we believe that we're friendly enough that they'll leave going, huh, that wasn't quite as crazy as I thought. Maybe I'll try a Sunday. So invite them, have them come at noon, and we're going to have a great time. All right, I think that's it for me. That's it for me. That is it. That is it. And, uh, you know, we're going to go into the time of worship where we get to, uh, you know, give back to God in our offerings. I'm just reminded, you know, of all the different ways that we could give. You know, um, a lot of times when we think of giving... You know, you think of the first, you know, I'll tell you what, it hit my mind even today. You know that song, that, money, 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 money. I wish, like, they would have that as, like, that thingy when I get to come up to do offering. Like, if Corey would just hit the play button, money, 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 money. It's not always money that we could give, though. We could give of our time, of our efforts, of our energy, of our minds, of our time of just praying to God for others and stuff like that. I'm reminded, you know, Vanessa came up to me just a few minutes ago and said, hey, what do you need? You know, what do you need? You know, if, you know, the baby's born, you know, what can I do for you guys? And I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, what do you mean? I go, what, like, what can I give to you guys? I'm like, you already know. And if you guys don't know Vanessa, she makes the best cookies in the world. And so, you know, I was shocked that she would ask me what, you know, what do you, what do I think I need? It's like, you already know. Come on now. You know? And so, uh, anyways, I'm excited about that. I'm, you know, I'm probably, you know, praise the Lord on Vanessa being able to get me some cookies here later on. I'm the Lord answers prayers. That's all I'm trying to tell you guys this morning. So as he is taking care of me in my cookie, um, cravings, the Lord will take care of us in, uh, in, in, in what it is that we need in our lives. And so let's just thank him so much for this time that we get to give back to him. Father, this is just one way that we give, get to give back to you. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to give to you, Lord, um, you know, financially. Uh, but then, Lord, we are also thankful for the multiple other different ways that we can give to you, whether it be of our time, you know, of our, of our talents, Lord. And so I just pray that, uh, that you would receive these gifts that we give to you, Lord. Um, and that you would multiply them and, and allow them to further your kingdom um, as, it, as, it, as it goes, Lord, as it goes forward in your will. Um, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Sorry about that. Y'all, if you think, if you're visiting with us and you think Justin and I are crazy, just wait. Jason is homesick, but that brother is crazy. So come back just to see what he'll say. Come back next week. He'll be better next week, hopefully. So, so many of you know, because I've talked about it a little bit, I've gotten into disc golf. And uh, I'm going to lower this a little. Uh, I play with my brother here, Ken, and his, well, my Christian brother, Ken, and his real brother, Dick, and Ron, and Vic, and Robert, and Craig, and there's a whole bunch of us, and Jason. And so when I started, and by the way, this is, here, shameless plug for my alma mater, um, Ken's brother drew this for me. I was telling him one day how uh, Trevecca just has squirrels running everywhere and it's kind of our unofficial mascot. And so he made us this. <laughs> he made me this. And I printed it off and had it on disc. But anyway, so I wanted to learn how to play disc golf. But here's the problem. It's not like throwing a Frisbee like at the beach. There's like a technique and a pattern and, and some rules that you have to follow. And there are some, some routines. And so they would try to teach me about, you know, keeping your 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 frisbee on the line and keeping it steady and taking your foot and it needs to be 90 degrees if you're doing a backhand from where you're throwing and if you're a forehand it needs to be and all this kind of stuff and I started watching YouTube videos and there's a girl by the name of um, Paige Paige Pierce and she's the number one girl in the world and this she's like 41 pounds soaking wet like this little bitty girl and she can just rip this frisbee like 300, 400 feet, just no problem at all. And so I'm like, okay, I want to learn from her. And she talked about one of the things you got to do is you pretend as you're going back, when you're coming forward, you pretend like your elbow is breaking glass. And as you do that, you then follow through and you throw the disc. And I tried that for Weeks and weeks and weeks, and Ken will attest to the fact that I had about a 140-degree range of where the disc was going to go. Just, it wasn't working for me. Is he nodding? Were you nodding? (laughs) Well, then one time, I broke the glass, I snapped it, and you could hear a pop. It popped out of my hands. And I think it was your brother that even said, whoa, what happened with Garen? What'd you do with him? And it, and finally I started thinking, okay, I'm starting to get it. This starts to make sense. There are these rituals, these habits, these patterns that I need to work on. And if I do them, then I'll be better at playing disc golf. I'll see myself improve. I'll see things going the way I want them to go. And I think that we, a lot of times, look at religion in much the same way. We, we almost see it as a, a self-help for us. Well, if I do these things, I'll be a better person. And we all know the list, right? I mean, there are certain things that we're supposed to do, and all religions, religions have them, not just Christianity, but there are these things that you're supposed to do, and with most religions, you do these things, and if you do enough of them, and if you do them long enough, and you do them well enough, you will be admitted into paradise or heaven or whatever their otherly thing is. But Christianity isn't like that. Jesus has said that we can't earn our way into heaven, that it's a free gift. That, that we can't 
just do the right thing or say the right thing. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to be like, okay, you've done enough of these rituals or these habits. Come on in. No, it's about relationship. It's not about the things that we do. We can't earn our way in. But still, we have these rituals, don't we? And we have these habits. And we have these things that we like to do. And we know what a lot of them are. Like we pray. Right? I mean, we've been talking about it. We do that. We pray before meals. We pray before sporting events. We pray when someone is sick. We pray for our team to win. We pray for the presidential candidate we don't like to lose. We pray when we're confused. We pray when we're happy. We are people that pray. Right? But nothing you can pray and no amount of praying is going to let you enter into paradise because it's not about the ritual. It's not about the habit. It's about the relationship. The, The praying isn't the point. The praying is one of the modes that helps us get into alignment with the point, which is Jesus. But still, we do it. And what's what are other things? We go to church, right? I'm assuming that if you're here today or you're watching online, you at least think in some part of your mind, hey, going to church is somewhat important. And it may look different. We're going to look differently than the church right there and the church right there and the church right there. And we're going to look differently as a group of North American churches as maybe they look in Europe or Asia or Africa. But we all still, there's this idea that we gather together. We say it's important. There's this ritual, this habit that we do. And it doesn't save us. It just points us to the way. What else do we do? While we're here, we sing songs. We like to sing. We don't sing songs just to fill 20 minutes so that we can get a full hour of a service. No, we do that because we feel that connecting with God sometimes is easiest while we're singing to God. And so we have this ritual, this habit, um, this this uh, direction of singing and going to church and praying. And we read our Bible. At least we're, we say we're supposed to read our Bibles. And now most people will say, well, I try to do it every day. And whether you do or not, that's not the point. The point is we all would say that's one of the rituals. That's one of the habits. That's one of the things that we should be doing if we are Christian. And it doesn't save us, but it helps us in our faith. We serve others. It's one of our core values. We give our lives away. We believe that we're called to help others. And I can't help enough people to get into heaven. I can only help people or not help people. We serve others. We deny ourselves. A lot of times we do things where we'll give up something for a while, like during Lent we'll do fast or things like that. And and we say, I want to give something up so that I can focus on something else. But the act of giving something up and self-denying for a period of time isn't what saves us. But still, we have this list, don't we? And there are others. And there's this, this list that connect us to this, this deity, this God. And we, we do them because we're Christian. We don't do them to earn our way into heaven or to earn our relationship with God. But we do them because we love God. We understand that they will help us. And so we do them because we want to grow. At least we're supposed to. Many times we do them because we feel like, whether we'll admit it or not, well, maybe God will see me as a better person if I'm at least 
doing some of the right things. If we're being honest. Am I right? That's what was going on when Jesus was talking on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I don't have the words on the screen, but you can pull them up on your phone, on your version Bible, or if you have your Bible, pull them out. Or you can do like they did for thousands of years before Gutenberg came around, and you can hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is addressing people who, have, who thought they had it all figured out. And if I do the right thing, and if I say the right thing, then I'm going to be okay. Jesus is addressing people who thought that the doing was the point. Instead of the relationship with God, they thought, well, if I just do enough things, which is why they had laws. They had hundreds of laws, over 600 laws. And if I follow the laws, if I do the right things, if I perform the rituals, if I offer the sacrifices, if I attend the temple, if I give the alms, if I do whatever it is, then I'm going to be good enough for God. And it's into that setting that Jesus reads or says these words. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to read it on my iPad actually because my eyes are acting wonky today. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. He's not saying don't practice righteousness. He's saying don't do it in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, They have received their reward in full. Now, I want you to remember that phrase because it's going to come up two other times. And we're going to circle back around to it later. Verse 3 says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue or on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, here's that phrase again. They have received their reward in full. And then skipping down to verse 16. And when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you. They have received their reward in full. So let's just back up. Last year we spent months in Matthew chapter 5 and we're just now launching into chapter 6 and there's so much here and I feel like we could spend another two years in Matthew 5 and I know y'all don't want to so we're going to keep moving on and maybe we'll circle back around in a couple of years. But in Matthew chapter 5, here's what's going on. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking about what it looks like. If you'll remember in Matthew 4, 17, you have the mission of Jesus telling others, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he starts calling people to follow him. He calls Peter and he calls Andrew and he calls James and he calls John. And later on in chapter nine, he calls Matthew. 
But he's calling these disciples and other people are following him as well. And he looks at the crowd and he goes up on a hill, almost as Moses did when he went up on Mount Sinai. He looks down and he says, let me tell you who's blessed. And it's not the Romans and it's not the religious leaders and it's not the people with the new Mercedes chariot. It's the poor, the humble, the meek. The hurting, it's the persecuted. And Jesus talks about, hey, and if you want to be associated with me, you need to be salt and you need to be light and you need to be being those agents of activation that wherever you go, all of a sudden, the flavor of the room is different. The vision of the room is easier because your light is there. And Jesus talks about basically chapter five, after he goes through all of these do's and don'ts, he says basically this. You've been living your life following these rules and these habits. And you've made it all about a transaction. If I do this, then this will happen. If then statements don't work with God. Jesus isn't concerned with if you do this. Jesus doesn't want your rituals or your practices or your deeds, although we are called to do them. Jesus wants all of you, 100%. Remember we talked last week, it's like the poker tournament where they push in the chips and they say, I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back. God, I'm all yours. And yet, that's not how they were living. They weren't living life transformationally. They were living life transactionally. And Jesus says that's not the way to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then as Jesus does many times, he leaves you with something and it leaves you asking, well, then what do we do? Well, if, if we're doing this wrong, what's the answer? Do we not do this anymore? Do, do, we, do we not... Follow all these guidelines? Do we not have these habits, these spiritual disciplines? Do we not? And Jesus is saying, no. I want you to do them because they're going to train you. They're going to help you in your devotion. They're going to help you grow. And then what we do is, okay, Jesus. And we do them. But then we start to focus on the things that we can see and the things that we can feel. I don't know when, when somebody says, how's your faith today? I don't know. Good. What does that even mean? I can't tell you how my faith is in this moment, but I can tell you how many verses I read this morning of scripture. I can tell you if I prayed or not. I can tell you if I helped someone or not. And so all of a sudden, these things that are good for us, these things that help us get closer to God become this checkmark list of things that we're supposed to do. And I can measure them. And so I start to focus on these things that I'm doing instead of focusing on Jesus. And these things were just supposed to help me focus on Jesus. But instead, now I'm focusing on the things. And it's almost like Jesus and God are this secondary issue that I'm not even thinking about we take the tools and we move them front and center and jesus is saying they were never meant to be front and center they are tools to help you have transformation that's what was happening two thousand years ago they were finding their righteousness in their deeds when they should have been founding their righteousness in God, because he alone is our righteousness. And they were missing the spirit. And so once Jesus dismantled everything in chapter five, the question is, well, well, then what do we do? And Jesus is saying, 
I still want you to do these things. In fact, let me give you three things that are really big on my list. And in verse 1, he launches in, and we see in the passages that we read, things that Jesus care about, giving, praying, fasting. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about all these other things, but, but here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to be doing these things, but I want you to do them for the right reasons. You've been living your life as a checklist, and I want you to live your life as this living, breathing relationship that we have together. And everybody would have known these things because every Jewish person of the day would have been doing these three things at the bare minimum. They would have been giving. They would have been praying. They would have been fasting. And Jesus says, let's talk about these things that I know everyone is doing. And he lists them, and most scholars will say he lists them in the order of importance for the people of the day. For the Jewish culture, giving was priority. For, for, for the, I mean, the minimum, the minimum is everyone should be fasting, right? Because fasting realigns your heart. It's this giving up so that I can take on more of God. And this fasting realigns my heart with God. But even more than fasting, I should be praying and talking to God. Because fasting in and of itself isn't worth anything if I'm not using it to help me draw closer to God. And so fasting is good. Praying is more important because it helps me not only realign my heart with the fasting, but it helps me realign my will with God's will so that I am understanding God's heart because I'm talking to God and I'm praying to God. And if you want to really get into it, even more than fasting and more than praying is giving. The Jewish people in that day, Jesus included, would have seen giving as a non-negotiable habit. Fasting would connect them with the heart of God. Praying would connect them with the will of God. And giving would connect them with the actions of God and the character of God, which is our very calling to live into this narrative and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Right? And so this giving from the beginning, this God who is love, who gives love, who gives mercy, who gives forgiveness, who gives a son. We have a God who is giving and we are called to be giving as well. And I kept thinking this week, how rarely are those things done in our lives? I mean, if we were in 2022 America, it would look a lot different than 22 A.D. Jerusalem. They would say, well, you give and, and you pray and you fast. In America, well, we, we say more things like, well, I'll pray, but only when I have to because it's awkward. I don't like praying in front of people and it feels weird, but, but yeah, I'll pray. And I'll give if I have to, but only if it's necessary. And I'm only going to give out of the surplus. I'm not going to give if it hurts. Maybe I'll give inconveniencingly. See what I did there? I just made up a word. You can take that home. Maybe I'll give inconveniencely. Inconveniencingly. But I'm not going to give if it would deprive me of having what I want. Which pretty much means if I'm not going to deprive myself of what I want, that takes fasting off the table as well. 
In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was saying, you're following the letter of the law, but you're missing the Spirit. There's so much more to it. In Matthew chapter 6, they are following. They are doing what they're supposed to. Isn't that good enough? And this is where Jesus turns their actions and their obedience upside down because he says it's not just about doing the right things. It's about the motive in which you do them. Okay, so you're praying and you're fasting and you're giving, but you're not doing it because God asked you to do it. You're doing it because you want to elevate yourself and look good in front of other people. You're just showing off. And here is the main point. If you want to boil everything I'm going to talk about today down into one sentence, this is the main point. What you want is what you will get. What you want is what you'll get. So Jesus is saying there are basically two options. Option one, you can impress others with your deeds and your piety, and your skills, and you can broadcast it to everyone and let everybody know what you're doing and how you're giving and where you're going and how you're serving, and you can do all of it. And if you're doing it, people are going to praise you because that's good stuff. That's what they were doing back then. They'd be given, and, and we don't know if it's literal or metaphorical, but it's almost like, behold, I am giving. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you're giving and you're just blasting trumpets around so that everyone notices you, that's not what I'm after. And when you're praying, you're not praying at home or you're not praying at church. You're like in the middle of the street, like the guy with the bullhorn yelling at everyone for doing what's wrong. It's like, dear Lord. And you're just making a scene of yourself so that everyone sees your piety and how good you are. And you're not fasting to see change in your life. You're fasting so that others know, oh, look how good I am. You can tell I'm looking really weak because I haven't eaten in four days. Well, that's because I'm fasting, because that's what God wants us to do. And Jesus is saying option one is you can go that way. But you've received your reward in full if you do. And that Greek word for reward is the equivalent to a A bill of sale. There you go. You want want the reward? You got it. It's in the form of other people looking at you saying, good job. You're not getting anything from your Heavenly Father. You got what you wanted. You wanted other people to praise you and to look at you and admire you? Bill of sale. Received in full. You got it. Or option two... You can obey God with the right motives and you can give and you can pray and you can fast and you can do these things that are kingdom tasks that will drive you deeper into the life of God, that will help you shape these habits in your life, that will help you be what God wants you to be and help you see what God sees and help you love the way God loves. And you're not doing it so that others are aware. You're doing it because you want to grow with God. And your motive is not this. Your motive is this. And God says, if that's the route you want to go, I've got reward waiting for you. Two options. Someone's going to praise you most likely. Who do you want it to be? Someone's going to reward you and say, good job and pat you on the back. Who do you want it to be? You've got two options, but here's the thing. You can't have both. It's like um, the Karate Kid when Mr. Miyagi is talking to Daniel and he says, you can walk on the left side of the road, you can walk on the right side of the road, but if you walk in the middle of the road, squish like grape. 
You can't have both sides. You will either be worshiping God out of true motives because you want to grow closer to God and you want this transformation that he's talking about in chapter 5, or you will live your life transactionally, which will acquire praise and fancy words from other people. But you're not getting it from your Heavenly Father because your motives are wrong. You can't impress both people. It's like, well, let me just put it in a modern day, this is my life illustration. I help out at the house, but not nearly as much as I probably should. Confession time. And Jen is in a session right now, and she's in her own service in Nashville, so she won't hear me confessing this. So I can, well, maybe I should have her listen to it later so that I can at least be on the board. So, <laughs> there are two things that I have noticed myself doing. There are times when I will do the dishes, and there are times when I will make my bed. And what I immediately do afterwards is, I walk in the office, hey, hon. Do you see I just did the dishes? Pretty good, huh? To which my wife will look at me and say, you're a bonehead. That's what adults do. That's what I do all the time. You should be doing it more anyway. Why are you expecting praise from me? Adults make their beds. You don't impress me by doing the bare minimum. You don't impress me by the ritual or the habit of making your bed. That, good for you. You're a human. It is hard. It's hard when you don't have the fitted sheets. So, that's what I do a lot of the time, admittedly. And then there are other times where I'm getting home and I'll see some dishes or I'll see the bed hasn't been made. And I just think, I want to do this because I love my family. I love my wife. She's working. She's busy. This isn't her responsibility. This is a shared responsibility. And the least I can do is do these dishes here in front of me. I see the need. I can feel the need. I can make the bed when she's busy doing something else. And there will be times where I'll do it and then I'll go on to work or I'll go do whatever I'm doing and I won't even realize that Jen's coming home going, oh my word, look at that sink, it's empty. Or he made the bed. He didn't make it right, but at least he tried. <laughs> and he didn't come in to brag about it. He, he just did it because he gets that he, he wants us to be together in this. You see the two ways that I can go with it? One is because I'm seeking praise from my wife. The other one is the same action done out of love. And the result, the reward, the, the atmosphere of the house changes based on my motivation. Today's scripture is pretty clear. Giving, praying, fasting. These aren't just good ideas. These are at the center of the heart of Christ. And to ignore 
any of them is to ignore the heart and the will and the character of the God who is all of those things, who does give. Scripture tells us that we have Jesus interceding for us even now. The, the Jesus who sacrificed and gave so that we could have new life. This is a picture of who our God is. And we're called to be that way. So, we're going to land the plane this way. You know your life. Much better than I do. It's time for self-inventory. Is there an area of your life in which you are anemic? Or in which your motivation is not pure? If there is, I want you to ask God, how can I make it better? Because I want to please you. Tell me. Show me. And if the Spirit is speaking to you now and says, you know what? You're giving. Man, you're stingy with your time. People need help and you don't have anything to do, but you'd rather watch TV than help. Man, you're stingy with your money. The church funnels in and out money to missions around the world to help our community, to help the preschool that helps almost 100 kids. You're so stingy with your money. It could be used for such a greater purpose. You're stingy with your attitudes. Even if you do it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're giving, but it's not giving. It's like you're keeping a mental scorecard. It's like they're going to owe me down the road. That's not giving. That's leasing. And you're going to ask for that time back or that energy back. That's not giving. If giving is what the Spirit is speaking to you about, I want you to make it right. In however the Spirit tells you to make it right. If it's praying, I want you to find a way to spend more time in prayer. And it may mean you set a few more alarms on your phone. Or it may mean that you set your time out so that like when you've had an hour on Candy Crush, it times off and says you can't do that anymore today. And that frees up a lot of time for you to pray. It may mean that you download the app and just for the next 30 days, you say, I'm going to join with half a million people and we're just going to pray. It may mean that you will be called by the Spirit to start a prayer group in your house where people come over and you have coffee or tea and you just sit around and you talk about the needs of your community and of your group and you just pray for them. Maybe the Spirit is telling you fasting is your thing. Fasting is where you're anemic. Fasting is where you're not living up to all that I want you to be. And maybe, maybe God is saying, I want you to give something up for a period of time. Here's the scary thing. Maybe God is saying, I want you to give something up forever. Because it's taking too much of your attention. 
And I don't know if it's going to be for like a 30-day fast or a 7-day fast or for the rest of your life fast, but there are some things in your life that maybe the Spirit is saying, you need to give that up. Will you go to hell if you don't give it up? Probably not. Will you live in the fullness of God's goodness if you don't give it up? Probably not. You've got an option. It's my prayer that we will all take that next step. I believe the Spirit is speaking to each of us. That's the way the Spirit works. It's not like the Spirit meets with Justin and Patsy and Debbie and that's it. The rest of us are just out wandering. No, God's Spirit meets with each of us. And God's grace goes before and leads the way and prepares the soil of your heart so that you can say yes in moments like these if you are in line and in step with the Spirit. It's my prayer that in whichever way God is telling you you're anemic, giving, prayer, fasting, that you will today start turning the ship. Not because... I know anything because you don't have to tell me. That affects the motive. You know what God is saying. The question is, will you walk in step with the Spirit when it's in secret? When it's just you and God that knows it, or you, God, and your spouse? Will you keep in step with the Spirit? Because if you will... There is a reward that is waiting that is so much greater than the praise of people. That's the challenge today. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm not good at any of the three that you talk about today. Confession time. But I want to be better. I want these routines and these spiritual disciplines to be more than just me worried about going to hell but i want them to truly be out of the motive of i love you and i want to grow closer to you and i want to be more like you because when you transform me that enables me to be a tool that you can use to transform others and if your kingdom truly is advancing and coming here on earth as it is in heaven that means part of my role is not just to love you but it's to love others and that happens through transformation I'm not good at loving others on my own. I'm not good at giving recklessly on my own. I'm not good at depriving myself of things on my own, but I can through your spirit, through the strength of you, God. I can be more. And my friends here can too. Pray that you will help us. I pray that this will be a watershed moment for many of us where we say, okay, God, I thought I was all in, but now I'm seeing that there are a couple of chips left near me and I'm pushing them into because I'm all yours. Change me. Use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, Spirit. Amen. Well, now we come to response time. And Justin and I are going to sanitize up and we're going to offer you the elements. They're not, we're coming to the table. It's not our table. It's his table. And so basically, 
This table isn't ours to police. It's open for all who come saying, I want to know Christ better. I want to know him more. So you don't have to be a Nazarene. You don't have to be a member of the church. You just have to say, Jesus, I want more of you and I want to be all yours. And there's a seat at the table for you. Thank you. Squirt, squirt. So what's going to happen is just since we're getting back into the routine, we'll have you work your way to the middle. Justin and I will hand you the elements and then you can take them. Uh, But we remember that on the night that our Lord was betrayed. On that night, he observed or during that weekend, he observed all three of these. He gave. We know he gave the ultimate price. He prayed. He prayed in the garden. He prayed in the upper room. He fasted. He, he fasted from life and then defeated the grave. And so we come to the table ready to receive these elements. There's nothing... There, there's nothing about these elements that we can do to earn. And there's nothing in these elements that you are not welcome to receive. Because Jesus gave all for you. On the night that he was to be betrayed, he was in the upper room with his disciples. They were sharing the Passover. And most of us, I'm hoping, could right now tell this story because we've heard it enough. And he lifted up the bread. And he broke it. And he said, this bread represents my body. Which will soon be broken for you. Take it. Eat. I want you to, I want you to ingest my life. I want you to, I want you to take in this, this, this life of mine. It's broken for you. Then he took the cup and he held it up. And we know that the life is in the blood. An animal doesn't last long without blood. A human doesn't last long without blood. The life is in the blood. And Jesus said, I want you to have my life. I want it to be all yours. And I want it to take over everything you are. And so this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, be thankful. So, Father, we come to the table today to receive these elements. We come knowing that you are the one that has set the table and you are the one that is extending this feast. Justin and I are merely um, the caretakers of the table today. It's yours. May we come with grateful hearts. May we come with joy. May we come with excitement for the transformation that you are going to be doing in our lives as we respond to what you've been saying to us today. Amen. When you're ready, if you'll work your way to the middle and we'll serve you, and then you can take the elements and then you can throw them away, uh, the cups away on your way out. All right? So, Corey, could you turn on some music and then we'll... Go. Come when you're ready.
kin is the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. Kidney is the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. Dusty, the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. Ray, the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ, I stuttered, but it's still broken and shed for you. Corey, the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for you. Will you stand with me? Next week we launch into a new aspect of Matthew 6. It's going to be good. I hope that you will join us in this upside down kingdom. Will you sing with me? Uh, If you're visiting with us, we sing our benediction so you won't know it, but that's okay. You can sing it next time when you're here. But let's sing together. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Go in God's peace and move through God's Spirit. We'll see you next Sunday.